to Between Jensen and Jones. I'm Parker Jones. And I am Jensen Spillum. And Jensen, uh, big week in the sports world. March Madness has begun. We are finishing up the round of 32. What are your thoughts thus far? Um, at, after one round, after the first round of 64 in my own bracket challenge, I was finishing in first place. So if it ended there, I would have won $1,000. But that's just not how the how the world works and now I'm sitting pretty good at five um there have been plenty of upsets one of them um being UC Irvine beating K-State that was probably the most shocking I think there you had a lot of people that would have ended up having perfect brackets following the round of 64 if that game ended differently uh not that Kansas State is some superpower team but you know a lot of the other upsets uh, were pretty predictable especially games like Murray State beating Marquette and uh, Florida beating Nevada. A, a lot of people chose those kind of games. And I think the only one that, that we finished the round of 64 and people were just utterly shocked by um, was UC Irvine beating Kansas State. Yeah, that was that was really the big one, in my opinion. Um, some of the other ones, though, were very interesting. The 8s um, and 9s were hard to predict this year. They were very hard to predict. However, I will say that... Um, I think that's the case with every year. Yes, honestly. yeah. Um, Specifically, I, a lot of people were choosing Mississippi, um, and Oklahoma came out and, and almost put up triple digits on them, and you know, Oklahoma got taken down today. But that was a, a game that I think a lot of I think the majority, by a good amount, were choosing Ole Miss in that game. And another great story about um, this March Madness so far was. Definitely John Morant and Murray State. Mm-hmm. Because beating a really... I mean, this isn't the best Marquette team that we've ever seen. No. But they are still... I mean, <laughs> they're still a five seed in the tournament. They're still Marquette. Right, they're, they're still playing Marquette. Up there every year. Exactly. But when Murray State routed them in the round of 64, and then whenever they got to the... Uh, yesterday in the round of um, 32 against Florida State, and Florida State absolutely just overwhelmed them with their length and with their defense and... With their offensive prowess, um, you know John Morant was doing everything he could. You know he's he is top notch NBA talent. He's going to be the number two overall pick um, in this upcoming draft, and I think a lot of people are. And some scouts are even saying that he might go number one because he he seems like such a complete point guard. But seeing him in this in this um, in this tournament and uh, seeing how him will his team into the, the next round, even though everyone was already writing him off. Um, you know, no one thought that one of the twelve five upsets would be Murray State against Marquette. Um, also, what surprised me was Buffalo came out against Texas Tech, started out decent, but ultimately got beat by twenty by Tech. And I don't know, I, a lot of people have Tech going in their Final Four. I don't, I think, don't think that's I don't think that's going to be the case. I did have them beating Buffalo. I yeah. did have them beating Buffalo, but they've got. Um, I mean, who do they have next? Michigan. Yes, they have Michigan. And that's going to be... No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, Michigan. I don't think they can... I don't think that's a, a game they're going to win. But, um, yeah, Michigan and Tech are going to play on Thursday. Florida State and Gonzaga are going to play. Uh, LSU and Michigan State. Virginia Tech and Duke. Talk about Duke almost wow. blew it against Central Florida today. L- literally earlier today, Duke was... What at one point they were down by four with two minutes left in the second half, and no everyone was like, 
what if UCF of all teams is the one to take down Duke? In, in my personal um, bracket, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have Duke going into the Final Four. I don't either. I had them losing in the Elite Eight to mm-hmm. Michigan State. Which, by the way, I'm very worried LSU, even though I'm a diehard fan, is going to ruin my bracket because they, they ruined it in the round of 64 and then ruined it again. Yes, what kind of LSU 32. fan are you to pick Yale in the round of 64? I'm realistic. That wasn't realistic. A, a 14 beating a 3 well, is knowing, never realistic. Knowing that LSU doesn't have the experience mm. and how they were going without a coach, that is a definite factor. Uh, yeah. So I was thinking, you know, maybe this Yale team will come out and expose these weaknesses. But LSU played like lights out, um, and they played really well against Maryland. And by the way, Maryland—they are probably one of the most un- inconsistent teams uh, in this tournament. They won by two against Belmont in the first round, and then in the second round they lose by two to LSU. And LSU is going to be playing Michigan State. I really think LSU could. Pull out a win against Michigan State and get their punch their ticket into the Elite Eight. I doubt they will. I don't. I don't. Say, I'm not going to say it's impossible. Um, I'll tell you another game that I was watching earlier today that had me on the edge of my seat was Tennessee and Iowa. Mm, the game goes to overtime. Yes. That was the first overtime game in all of tournament history. It, seriously? Yeah. Well, I know that that Iowa would have that would have been a bracket buster. Oh um, yeah. A lot of people came in thinking Tennessee was was among the top teams in the country, right? And uh, that would have been that would have been an interesting one for sure. Um, on I didn't top of see. That, I really didn't see Villanova dropping this early in the bracket. I mean, I have them going into the Final Four, um, or no, no, no. I have them going into the um, Elite Eight. But you know, I I always thought you know Villanova. Is one of those teams that you always see them make a great run in the mm. tournament. It just they just got they really just got beat by Purdue, a really really good Purdue team. And I mean I don't follow regular season college basketball. I don't think a lot of people follow regular season college basketball. Yeah, but I think what a lot of people do before the NCAA March Madness tournament is they look at the conference tournaments and see what exactly. team is for real, what team is you know going to be a huge dark horse. And honestly. Purdue being Villanova, that's in my eyes, that's really huge because Villanova is just always one of those teams, you know, up there with UNC and Duke and Kentucky, the blue teams, um, the blue teams like Gonzaga is always can- there. Well, another blue team that lost today was Kansas. Kansas, they fall to Auburn. I I think yesterday, a lot of people too. was it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah, Auburn making this run in this in this tournament is actually really huge for that program because this is the first time they've been good. In, Quite some time. In well, and they, they they messed me up pretty bad in the first round. I had New Mexico State winning. Auburn pulls it out by exactly. one point against New Mexico State. Watching that seed. game made me so mad. I was at Fifty Fourth Street. I was watching the um, final seconds of the New Mexico State Auburn game. New Mexico State had a chance to tie yes, it up and did. take it into overtime they with did. a layup. He passes it out, shoots a three, shoots a three, gets fouled, makes uh makes. One out of the three? Was one it? out of the three. Yeah, one, one out, out of the three. three last one clinks out. <laughs> they had a chance, and I don't. It, it goes out of bounds. It's out on Auburn, so it's New Mexico State ball inbounding from the baseline. And New Mexico State inbounds it for some reason. They don't need a three because they're only down by one. They don't need a three, but they pass it to the corner, and he takes an, an NBA deep three, like from the corner. And I'm like, 
that is very whoever drew that up or whoever innovated that kind of play or whether whether it's intentional or not that is the dumbest thing you could ever do is and to go for three when you're you're down by one and to think the poor guy that's sitting there and he could have you know he makes two free throws out out of three instead of one the game's tied up but he only gets one out of these three free right. throws and that's what put him in that situation and end up losing by one point could have pulled off a major upset. I had New Mexico State winning the game, so that was unfortunate for me. The biggest, I think the upset that didn't look like an upset was Oklahoma Ole Miss. I, it was definitely not, that's what I was saying earlier. Is it was short, definitely an upset. A lot of people were choosing Mississippi. Yeah, but, but Oklahoma comes in, and this is, you know, this is post uh, Trey Young. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, last year nobody would have been surprised by this, but... But I mean, they obliterate. They beat them by twenty three, and they're about to they're about to be taken down by Virginia. But that I mean that was a big mm-hmm. win there. Virginia was playing it close in the first round with with Gardner Webb for a while. Right, they were down at the half, um, but but ultimately they pulled it out. Nobody really would have been shocked though. Virginia is the only one seed in history to lose to a sixteen seed, and that was last year to Maryland Baltimore County. A but, really interesting game that's gonna. Um, take place in the Sweet 16 is going to be Purdue, Tennessee. Because these are very explosively offensive teams and they can both lock it down just as well in defense. So it's going to be really interesting to see if this game is uh, offensively dominated or defensively dominated. I mean, it could go really either way with either of these teams. And we've got a, we've got a couple. We've got, we're going to have, it looks like, four two versus three games here in the Sweet 16. It's going to be very interesting. Texas Tech and Michigan. Uh, as well as LSU and Michigan State, and Kentucky, and likely Houston. We're waiting on on how that game finishes off. Houston is in the lead at the moment. And then Purdue and Tennessee. All four two seeds and all four three seeds are going to make it to the Sweet 16, it looks like, pending Houston holding on against Ohio State. And how about SEC teams showing out in this tournament? Which oh, yeah. Ole Miss showed out real great against no, no, Oklahoma. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm mainly... Talking about um, LSU, Tennessee, um, Auburn, uh, Auburn, but Mississippi State noise. lost. Mississippi State lost to Liberty. Keep that in Which mind. Which I, I I saw that coming. I did too. I predict. I had Liberty. Really, I don't have any faith in any of the Mississippi teams. It's such a backward state. I really don't care. Oh my, oh my. I did. I did uh, have Florida beating Nevada, and I was impressed by that upset. Um, there Kentucky were, is always consistent. Well, yes, of course we don't SEC goer. But honestly, I mean, I. I chose Kansas to um, beat New Mexico State, and whenever Auburn won that game, I was like, okay, now for sure Kansas is going to have to end this run that Auburn's on. But, dude, Auburn is a hot team, and this tournament isn't about who is the best team of all of you know all the entire year. It's just who is the best team at the time. They will get blown out of the water by U- University of North Carolina Tar Heels on Friday. You really think so? I know so. I think it could be close. It won't be. I think it could be close. Not after the way UNC played Washington today. It was a, it was a or even after how Auburn complete just, mismatch. Or even how Auburn beat Kansas. You don't think they're? I'm still looking at at Auburn just edging out New Mexico State mm. because I think Kansas would have beat New Mexico State. So I mean, you take it game by game, and and every matchup ends up being a little bit different. But um, I mean, nobody thought Duke was going to play that close with Taco Fall and and UCF mm. today. Yeah, that so. was incredible. 
And then also um, another game to look out for is UC Irvine and Oregon, uh, 13 and uh, That's 12 coming on. Uh, well, I guess that's live right now. Uh, odd matchup to have a 12 and a 13 seed playing each other. Oregon's, Oregon seems to be the better team. Um, they they beat Wisconsin, who's... Honestly, they, this wasn't Wisconsin's year. It no, really, and they really but in Oregon handled them too. I mean, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't a down it wasn't a buzzer beater game. Seventy two to fifty four, um, the game against Wisconsin and Kansas State uh, and UC Irvine was at least fairly close, a six point difference. But I still am, am shocked that Kansas State to be ranked a four seed and to lose to UC Irvine in the round of sixty four. My brother, <laughs> don't know what was going through his head when he did this. Had Kansas State playing in the championship game. What? Kansas State? No, you Kansas always go State with the usual. The championship game. Michigan is going to handle business against Texas Tech because I think Michigan, just watching them play, um, just watching them play Florida yesterday, I mean, they handled their business. They were dominating they look good. defense. They look good. And they're, they're such an explosively offensive team. And it, it seems like the camaraderie in that locker room is just too great for really any team. So, I mean, Gonzaga going against Michigan in the Final Four is going to be a really, really good game, in my opinion. Um, I can definitely see how Florida State could upset Gonzaga, given that they are a really long team and that uh, their defense is just overwhelming for a lot of teams. But really, Gonzaga is... Always, always in the dance for the championship, and it's just one of those teams where you're just like you can't bet against them. So that's yeah. a really big thing for me. Yeah, I still, I think Zaga and, and UNC, the two of them, both you and I both have those two playing in the championship game. Mm-hmm. Now we've got different winners. I think UNC is going to pull it out. You've got Gonzaga, right? And I think they're both capable of winning the, the championship. Um, but. I do think those will be the two that, that meet up in the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, they look like the best teams, and that's why I'm confident in UNC playing Auburn this week. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, in other news, baseball news, uh, again, this was at the beginning of the week. Mike, uh, Mike Trout, Trout making dollar-dollar bills. He has got the biggest contract in sports history, and he'll be making 36 about $36 million a year. Um, 12 years, $430 million in extension with the Anaheim Angels. And this is a big bummer for baseball because we were hoping he was going to be a free agent in, in two off-seasons from now. Um, and it was going to be interesting. People were already talking about him going to the Phillies to join Bryce Harper. His family's in Jersey. He's been a Philly fan forever. Uh, not Philadelphia Phillies, but... Philly sports fan, a huge Eagles fan. Um, it made sense for Trout to go to the Phillies. Again, this is a couple years away. Um, but it would make sense for Trout to go to the Phillies, and especially now that Bryce Harper's there. And we're looking at the potential of the first real super team yeah. in the MLB. It was going to look like the NBA for a minute there, which to that degree, I'm relieved. I don't want the MLB That's to look true. like the, I don't want the MLB to look like the NBA, but I did want Mike Trout out of my division. I'm sick of playing Mike Trout 19 games a season, and now we're going to do it for the next 12 years. Wouldn't Wouldn't it be interesting? Though, do you think it would bring in more eyeballs that aren't huge onto baseball, but they still kind of follow it to where it's like, oh, you got two of the best players in the MLB on the same team, and they're you know 
doing insanely well. Like, do you think that would just bring in more eyeballs, or would that just kind of? I think it's possible. I think that I think it would more so ruin the sport. Okay. I think the best option for for the MLB to bring in eyeballs has passed them, and that was Kyler Murray. Hmm. I think that was the best option for the MLB to bring in eyeballs, but and that would not ruin the game. I think that would have helped the game, but. Mike Trout going to Philly probably would have hurt the game. I just am, am sad that he's staying in Anaheim for 12 more years. A huge contract, $430 million. And this had a domino effect. Uh, following that, there were contract extensions signed all over the league. Uh, first, Paul Goldschmidt signed a huge contract extension with the St. Louis Cardinals, who he hasn't even played a game for yet. He just signed with them this offseason, and then he signed a bigger deal with them. Uh, and then the Astros have have signed extensions with Justin Verlander and Alex Bregman, and um, Jensen looks like you've got an interesting reminder over here. So it looks like Mr. Mike Trout is worth more to Anaheim than the entire Louisiana purchase that the United States paid France for. Actually, well, duh. There's a lot of players worth more than fifteen million dollars. No, no, no. That's not today's money. But I saw the, uh, I saw the, um, what it would ratio what, like, like today, what, like the rate of going per today, and it was something like four hundred twenty-eight million. Yeah, and Mike Trout is is getting paid four thirty. Unbelievable. Over twelve years. There is no to. flexibility now for Anaheim with their money. I mean, there is, but but not a lot. And they really don't have any talent on their team other than other than Mike Trout, who is the best player in baseball, undisputed. But I don't I don't know that this is, is going to be beneficial for winning uh, for Anaheim. I mean, Trout has a war of, of usually seven to nine, and um, which means he's responsible for a few wins a season. But you got to have an actual team around him uh, to become World Series caliber. Do you think that a name really like having a Brandable name or a sellable or marketable name in professional sports dictates somewhat of how much you get paid. Like Mike Trout, like it just seems like it just seems like a marketable name. Bryce I, Harper, I, marketable name. I don't think. I mean, you got to actually have the talent to to back it up. Well, yeah, now, obviously, I mean, but I'm saying like it depends because there are players that have that get that have names that are Ichiro Suzuki. Yeah, because it said Ichiro on the back of his jersey. And that's another thing in baseball news that we can get to in a minute. But take a name like Jared Saltalamacchia. He played for the Rangers. He's a catcher for the Rangers. For See, but I don't, know, I don't know who that is. I know, but, but people would buy Saltalamacchia jerseys even though he was just an average catcher on a below-average team. Are you talking about just Saltalamacchia, for how long the name is? Saltalamacchia curved like the St. Louis Arch over his numbers. And, you know, you, that's a unique name. Um, I'm trying to think of another one that that a name like that will like good I for marketing. I, I don't I don't think a name like Joe Schmo, you know, like a, a regular name that everyone can find in your local grocery store. Like you're not gonna find a lot of Mike Trout's. I don't think. No, I think Trout is a beneficial name because it's, it's easy he's to remember. Named after a fish. It's easy to remember, but I don't think. I mean, I don't think he's getting paid more because his name is Trout. Maybe they have a few more jersey sales, but I mean everybody knows Mike Trout because of how talented he is. It's just easy to remember who who he is because his name is Mike Trout. Do you think he's as marketable if, say, his name were John Williams? 
I don't think so. No, no, I don't. I don't think so either. I don't think he's as marketable. But either way, if he's got the talent, he's gonna get paid. Obviously, I'm just I'm going off of jersey sales and marketability. I'm not really like when I when I mean get paid more. I'm not talking about the teams are gonna pay more because his name's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm talking about like you know his his persona that's displayed out yeah. to you know yeah the sports world. Now we go back to Ichiro. I, I meant to mention this. Ichiro Suzuki retired this week, and it was a very, very unique scenario. The Mariners re-signed Ichiro Suzuki this season to a a one-year deal, and they were playing the Oakland Athletics, the first two, and so far the only two uh, MLB games of the regular season that were played in Japan at the Tokyo Dome this week. Uh, The A's and the Mariners. The Mariners won both games. They're on pace to go 162-0. While the A's are on pace to go 0 162. But Ichiro, in the second game of that series, officially retired from baseball. Um, and so he got to do it. He got to do it in Japan in, the, in, Japan, in, the, in a sold out Tokyo Dome. 45,000 fans on their feet. One of the coolest standing ovations there is because he has one of the highest name recognitions in, in the nation of Japan still today especially when he was playing over in Japan. Extremely, extremely talented player. Arguably the most talented foreign-born player. No doubt the most talented Japanese-born player in all of baseball history. Retired at 45 years old. Do you think Ichiro would pull a Brett Favre and go to the New York Yankees coming out of retirement? Not at 45, he's not coming out of retirement. No, he's not. He's not coming out of retirement. Well, in football years, Brett Favre was a million years old whenever he came out of his retirement to play with the Vikings. Yeah, I remember. He was like thirty nine. Brett Favre. Something. Brett Favre didn't know how to retire. Ichiro has already kind of retired a couple times. <laughs> he was working in the Mariners front office last season, and then he played two games in Japan. Poor guy went zero for five with a walk, but it's okay um, because he there was so much reverence to Ichiro's career. Uh, not to mention the fact that Ichiro has already played with the Yankees um, for a short amount of time. But he is he is a Mariner through and through. Uh, Seattle loves him. Japan loves him. Japan loves Seattle now. <laughs> it's a great unity in, in baseball. Do you think baseball is the unifying source for the entire world? Not for the entire world. I think it could become that. It is Well, for the modern world, as in... More developed countries, not like you know. No, because they don't play it in Europe. But um, I'm I th- I think could it grow to Europe? I think it has the potential to. It has to start in a country. In, I think it would start in Germany. I don't. I think it would start in Italy. Italy already plays baseball in the World Baseball Classic. Mm. Um, they've got or there's Italian players. Most of them are American, but they'll play for Italy. But I mean, obviously, you know. You, you go to the streets of the Dominican or, or Puerto Rico or Cuba, um, you're going to see kids just picking up baseballs and rocks and sticks and playing baseball in the streets. And there's baseball fields on every corner, more than we have here. And it's similar that way in Japan. I mean, there are countries where baseball is, is definitely the superior sport, way more so than soccer. Um, and it could, be, it could be a unifying sport. And that's why the event, the World Baseball Classic, begun last decade is is to show that baseball is more than just 
America in the Caribbean and you in in East Asia because those are the places you think about Korea, Japan, the Caribbean, Central America and the United States. But I mean Australia puts a team out there. South Africa puts puts a team out there. Israel puts a team out there. The Netherlands puts a team out there. Italy puts a team out there. I mean there are countries that we don't think about as baseball countries that have talented athletes, not maybe not as many as some of these other other four nations, but there I mean there there's Australian pitchers in the MLB and there's and Australian punters in college football. Yeah, and I mean you've got a unique opportunity with the World Baseball Classic to use baseball as a unifying sport. And um, just kind of close things out. What was also big was at um, UFC Fight Night um, 148. Anthony Pettis upsets Stephen Thompson via knockout, which was very surprising. Um, of course, Pettis has that knockout power, but you know. Um, him, you know, kind of getting up there in age a little bit. He's one of the more, more veteran fighters against, uh, you know, um, an upcomer in Stephen Thompson. But um, I think that's, uh, I think that's going to be something to look out for in the future of the of all of the UFC is to see Anthony Pettis um, get more sellable fights in future UFC events and not just these, you know, UFC fight nights. So um, that'll close out episode five of. Between Jensen and Jones, I am Jensen Spillum. And I'm Parker Jones.